Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is episode 88 with Janice Cantieri. Just want to say thank you for all of you who sent emails. I really, really appreciate it. Once again, it's tyroroxen at uydmag.com. So tyroroxen at uydmag.com. And um, I just want to ask that you guys continue to subscribe and uh, leave reviews. Your reviews are really helping with the charts. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm excited about today's guest. He's actually going to a an island that's going to be non-existent in the next 50 years. So she's doing an amazing thing to go cover the culture and preserve as much as she can while also interviewing um, some of the current inhabitants. So enjoy the episode and I'm looking forward to hearing more from you. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Janice Cantieri, and she is a Fulbright Scholar for National Geographic covering the people of Kiribati, an island that will completely disappear in the next 50 years because of global warming. She's currently in Fiji now, and um, she's talking to the people who are from Kiribati, but were forced to leave by the British in the 1940s. So today we're going to be talking about uh, her journey there and what she plans to do over the next nine months. And basically what she's learned through travel and how she hopes to make an impact in society. Welcome to the show, Janice. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so I, I, I talked a little bit about you there. So can you tell us more about yourself, how you've got into this, how you discovered uh, Kiribati, and then you know what's your hope for this, um, this whole mission that you hope is? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I actually heard about Kiribati when I was taking a class in my junior year at Washington University, and the class was an anthropology class focused on global energy and its implications in the developing world. Mm. And one of my classmates had actually gone to the um, international conference for climate change. It's the COP conference. They have a conference every year for global leaders, and 
he mentioned the Kiribati president giving a really powerful speech and crying because his country will be underwater in the next however many years. Some say 20 years, some say 50 years. It will be uninhabitable probably in 50 years, but they're already facing changes right now. And so I heard about this country, and I wanted to find a way to get there and hear how it was affecting the daily lives of people there, because Mm. a lot of the reporting that was done was mostly focused on the fact that this is an entire country going underwater, and it was focused on global leadership and politics and all that, but not really how it's affecting people's daily lives. And so I went in the summer of 2014 on a reporting grant, and I was also doing anthropological research while I was there, and interviewed families on how it was affecting their daily life, and for the people in Kiribati, they mostly live subsistence lifestyles, so they go out and fish during the day, and then they supplement their diet with coconut, breadfruit, other tropical plants that grow on the islands, and then because it's an island, they actually, they have a a fresh water lens that's a shallow water, it's kind of like an aquifer, like right underneath the surface of the sand and the challenges that they're facing right now are the fact that all their gardens are being washed away the coconut trees are dying because they're covered in salt water and then their water lens is becoming increasingly submerged with salt water sea life and there's all sorts of diseases related to that so I went there last summer and while I was there I was inspired to apply for the National Geographic project and that's what I'm currently working on. And, and that's so cool. I mean, it's, I think it's I always love it when people tell me that uh, they saw something, they saw a problem and they just decided to do something about it. Because not a lot of people do and I and I commend you for doing that. But so now you're in Fiji. So why Fiji? Why is Fiji exam, uh, particularly important to Kiribati, for example? Yeah, so um, the first time I was doing my research, I was mostly based in Kiribati. But this time, my project is, for the next nine months, I'm focusing on displacement from Kiribati to Fiji and throughout the Pacific. So Mm. there are a lot of people and a lot of families that have moved already from Kiribati to Fiji, and they've already moved to New Zealand or Australia and some to the United States. Mm. Um, And I'm interested in talking to those, those people and how they see their identity, how they see their culture and community separated from the islands and separated from... Um, where they grew up or where their their heritage is, yeah. and so I'm interviewing families here, and then going to a couple different islands as well. And you're going to do this with audio, video, written, all sorts of things, right? Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Have you found? Have you heard a certain common thread when you ask them? Because that's a big deal. You're losing your home, right? It's it's a big deal. Like your culture, history, everything is gone. Um, you know, you're yeah. gonna have kids coming in there, and they're not gonna be able to, you know, know or visit where your, you know, their father and grandparents used to live. How do they, how are the people over there taking uh, this impending loss? Yeah, so I actually um, I just landed on. Well, it would be Wednesday here, so Tuesday of last week. Um, so I'm just getting started, mm-hmm. but from the like two people I've talked to so far. Um, yeah. I I think they still feel a very strong connection to Kiribati, but mm-hmm. they're growing up here and they're in Fiji, so they also consider themselves Fijian. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's that's my sense. 
confirm right now, but I really I can't say yet because I I haven't talked to enough people yet. But no, that starts fair. on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Now, what are you most excited about, and what are you most nervous about? Yeah, um, I'm most excited to go back to Kiribati next week. I'm going on Monday um, to see my host family and the people I lived with last summer because I haven't seen them in a year and communication is like nearly impossible so I haven't really been able to keep up with them so right. it'll be good to go back I'm really excited for that and I'm nervous for so part of my project is following current families that have been displaced due to climate change and mm -hmm. sea level rise but the second part of it is actually following um, the Bonobin people and their displacement from Kiribati to Fiji in 1945 by the British Phosphate Commission. So there's two groups of Kiribati people that have been displaced because of factors that are out of their control. And one occurred almost 70 years ago. And um, I'll be documenting the anniversary, the 70 year anniversary of this in December. But after that, I'm going to Bonaba. And I'm very nervous just because there's no communication there at all. Oh my God. <laughs> like, like in order to make a phone call, you actually have to go on a three-day boat journey to oh, leave. Oh wow! You have to leave the island, so I won't leave the island. But wow. there's just like there's nothing. So I will be like scheduling my articles and posting them like from a month before, and then when I get back, I'll tell the story. But I will have no communication that's, with anything. That's while gonna I'm there. be such an experience. I can't even imagine. Um, because I'm so attached to my cell phone, right? And I do everything yeah. on my, on my uh, you know, iPad or phone just to, when I'm managing content, because I, you know, like like you do, it's a lot of content. And I'm like, ah, three days, I'm not getting yeah. to the schedule. So you're going to have to learn a lot about, uh, you're going to have to learn a lot about your people because you're going to be interacting with them the old-fashioned yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm a little nervous for that just because I'll be going on my own, but... Um, my language skills in the, the Kiribati language are not the best. So I'm hoping that it won't be. I mean, it hasn't been an issue so far, but I hope by, by that point I'll have the language down a little bit better so that'll help. What, now, what language do they speak uh, at Kiribati? They have an indigenous language. It's okay. called Gilbertese. Um, and it's, it's a lot of K's and T's and interesting sounds that don't really match what the letters say, <laughs> but um, I picked up a little bit of it last summer, and it's it's pretty straightforward, so I'm, I'm hoping I can get it, but I'm not the best with languages, so I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of languages, when did you... Uh, languages is obviously one of the ways people connect when they travel, but you started traveling early, I think, right? I think you... When was that? I was yeah. reading your article. When did yeah, you start traveling? Yeah, so... I first left the country when I was 12. I went with my mom, and we went to Zone 18 of the of Guatemala City. Hmm. And we were working with orphanages there, and we were, like, painting them and kind of just hanging out with people there. And um, I was just, like, I had no idea what I was getting into. I was just like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to go to Guatemala. Like, I had no clue. Right. And we just happened to be going to the most violent and most like impoverished area in Guatemala City. And so that was a big shock for me as a 12-year-old. Um, but it was probably the most influential trip that I've taken. It was, it was really great. Um, 
the people were wonderful and just like so happy so happy and I was just shocked because I thought that you'd have to have a nice house like at the time at the time this is what I thought you'd have to have a nice house and you'd have to like have material comfort in order to be happy and that was like a big change for me to like realize that that's not the case because I was just welcomed unquestionably by everyone I met it was it was really amazing and I was like a 12 year old who didn't speak any Spanish so so it sounds like it, yeah. it op opened your mind gave you a certain perspective um, and you got to see the world from a different angle because you said here are people who didn't have much but found a way to be happy still right yeah um, definitely man okay and, and, and it's, it's something I, I often say when, when I talk to guests on the show because that, that was what that's why I fell in love with travel because I just realized there was so much the world had to offer and I just there was you know, many things I didn't I had no idea about and um and I just wanted to see you you know ways I could learn and other from others and ways I could you know possibly add value to other people's lives but I, I felt like I couldn't do that by staying um you know in my uh wherever I was at the time so yeah huh. okay so 12 years old you, you, you got you got your face first taste of uh travel and then when did you start mm -hmm. intentionally traveling um, I then went on another trip to Panama, and I was working with malnourished children. That was my junior year in high school. Um, that was still with a group. It wasn't, like, on my own. Um, but I still felt that doing kind of service trips was a little conflicting for me just because I felt like the minute we left, then the kids were still going back to the, like, it wasn't sustainable. Mm. Um, so we were there we were helping the kids and then once we left it would go back to kind of the the same situation that they were in beforehand and, and it wasn't related to the people there all with their kids it was just a situational thing with the, the state of the communities we were working with there was nothing to help bring them out of the poverty that they were in and so I went um, my freshman year in college, I went on an internship with, it's called Social Entrepreneur Corps, mm -hmm. and it was founded by Greg Van Kirk, and he was a f former investment banker and then started this um, for-profit company. It might be a for I think it's a for-profit company. I'm, I'm a little rusty on what it actually is, but yeah. basically brings students to um, the developing world to help people there themselves start businesses and so I was working with women there on um, we were going on campaigns through the villages to sell reading glasses solar powered lights and cell phone chargers and wood burning stoves and different products that would add value to life in a village Mm -hmm. um, and then the women earned all the profit from those sales. Oh, so wow. those women then were able to provide. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At education for their children, they were able to um, go back to school themselves and further advance themselves and their family. And then it would create a next generation of kids that were able to kind of step out of that level of poverty and they were raising them up in a way and I didn't have any business skills I didn't really have much to offer but I gained a lot out of it just from interacting with the people and seeing how much passion they had and it was just it was really inspiring and it felt like once I left that even though I didn't really have much to offer I, I still felt better about it just because it was sustainable and it was a lasting change and offering the program was offering education opportunity instead of just offering money or instead of just coming and you know leaving and then the situation returned to the same same thing so, so you felt like there was hope like beyond their help yeah yeah huh. okay yeah so that was like a totally different experience with travel that I had and I I loved that trip and then I continued traveling after that I went on a couple like vacation trips and then um, which is like a little different, obviously. And then um, my junior year, I lived in Europe for a semester. I lived in Dublin, traveled Ireland. around Europe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I loved it. It was great. And then I was home for a week and went to um, Kiribati for that summer. And then in December of that year, I, I lived in the rainforest in Peru and was tracking monkeys, which is totally different, but I was taking a, a course on monkey training. <laughs> so that was awesome. <laughs> Not monkey training, monkey Mo- tracking. Monkey tracking, yeah. all right. I, no, and I'm I mean, back here. <laughs> wow. So uh, I'm just trying to, I'm, first of all, you're a rock star, amazing. I love, <laughs> I love, I love, I love that you, you did that, but like you just, uh, from an early age, you just discovered that you, you know, you your eyes were were open. Your mind was open. You saw what happened in I was in Guatemala, uh, Guatemala, yeah. and then you started just taking all these trips. and And the reason I was asking you to tell the story is because not every I mean, a lot of people travel sometimes, but not it's not a personal thing for a lot of people because sometimes people don't choose to do something about it. But you chose to do something about it. Did you always want to be an anthrop anthrop? I always have anthropologist. I always yeah. mess up that word. Did you always <laughs> want to be uh, an anthropologist? No, actually. Um, well, I think a big reason why I like chose, like like you said, like chose to do something about what I saw or like became interested in sharing what I saw is because my mom was a huge influence after I got back mm. and. She told me I should tell my friends about what I saw because they've never ex- like they had never been exposed to something like that. Or yeah. she told me like, oh, you can show it to like different sports clubs. I started a collection for like soccer supplies and stuff because like I was playing soccer, but the kids didn't have shoes and they didn't have like like good quality like soccer balls or anything. So mm-hmm. I started a collection with my soccer club, and then I started telling them about the kids there and how like they were so good, but they were playing with like nothing, and so. I think she was a big influence on 
bringing back the experience of travel to the United States. And I think that is something that I like saw as a value for travel as well, because I've, I've gained a lot from just having conversations with my friends when I come back and, and conversations with people. Cause it opens their eyes as well, even if they weren't able to go on the same experience or even if they have traveled, mm-hmm. but haven't like taken the time to think about what they experienced. And I think reflecting on it is one of the biggest values in traveling. Love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're close in age. I mean, we know we're, we're in our early 20s. I guess I'm in my mid-20s. It's right in the middle. <laughs> right in the middle, 25. But um, I, I'm, we're the next set of global leaders. Some of us already are. And a lot of these global issues are things we need to pay attention to. What do you think are the most important things? And I, I love that you're doing what you're doing. That's why I want, when um, our mutual friend, you like, uh, told me about you, I was like, you know, that's, that's perfect because I think we need to raise awareness about all these things because I think it's very easy for many of us in the comfort of wherever we are to look like, ah, it's not going to affect us, it's not going to affect us. But, I mean, you're going to a place where a whole culture is going to be wiped out. You know, and there are many of these type of uh, issues out there. So what do you think? Um, for the millennial listening or anyone really listening now thinking how can I make an impact you know what can I do I'm just somewhere here I don't even know what to do or what's happening in the world what would you tell that person yeah um, I guess well for me um, I honestly just like I didn't I, I had interest in human rights development and like finding ways to make more opportunities for those living in the developing world that want to break out of wherever they are. Right. Um, but then I started taking classes in climate change and I saw the overlap there. Mm. Um, and a lot of the countries that are affected by climate change, the most are those in the developing world where people are subsistence farmers or people um, rely on the weather for their daily life their subsistence um so i kind of just like became interested in it and then heard about a certain country that was affected and i decided to go and so i guess my advice would be to if you have even a vague interest in in a certain topic that matters to you and if you hear about a place where that's being affected just go somehow find the money and find the time to do it and you'll learn a lot just from being there instead of just reading about it it's the best to just go and and experience it because you'll learn the most from being there and I could have decided that I was unqualified or too young prepared yeah Yeah. and exactly and like I had no idea anything about the Pacific I was not I'd never taken a class on it I didn't read anything about it and I didn't really know that much about what I was getting into at all but I kind of just went and then I learned yeah. and then I learned a lot after the fact from reading things about it and doing research for a whole year writing my thesis but um, it wouldn't have happened if I had just gone so I guess the best advice I have would be to just choose something and go for it and then you can figure out what your passion is once you're there because you'll most likely be inspired while you're there absolutely and, and, and you know when you were saying that I, I couldn't help but think of Shia LaBeouf and it was like just do it. <laughs> so, so that I think that's such great advice. You just have to do it. Uh, um, and I think a lot of times, 
we are our own, um, you know, we just are our own biggest, we're our own worst enemies. And we say, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do anything. You know, write a blog, start something, raise awareness, start a campaign, and you never know who you could reach. Um, I want to touch on a few things before we wrap up here, but uh, uh, she's going to be, first of all, uh, a contributor to UID Media. So by the time this comes out on Tuesday, I will have put a, she would have posted her first article and you get to learn more about her stories and her journeys. Um, so you can get to reach out to her. And she's also going to be journaling when she can, when she can get access uh, about her trip. So that will all be available on UID Media and National Geographic, right? So you're working with National Geographic and you're going to be posting content for them as well. Would that be yes. available after the nine months or during the nine months? During the nine months, actually okay. every week. So I'll have an article coming out next week once I have my interviews. Um, okay. But it's a weekly post on the National Geographic website. All right. So, um, and uh, yeah, please feel free to share the links with me and I'll share it out with them so we can follow you Yeah, yep. on you know UID and where you talk about the personal side and on National Geographic where you're talking about the, uh, you know, the whole outlay of everything there. But the last two questions I wanted to ask you were, how do you connect with people when you travel? Because this is the, one of the biggest questions people ask. I don't know anybody. I don't know the language. You say you don't know the language. And um, how do you deal with the family dynamic? Because you're going to be away from family and friends for nine months. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, first question, I guess the way I connect with people is, um, I mean, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, like, you're alone in a country and you don't really know anyone. And it's, it's especially hard if you're living on your own. I have been fortunate when I'm in the Pacific. I've always lived with families, so I'm already introduced to a family, and mm -hmm. they introduce me to the rest of the village. But it's hard with a language barrier and you know things like that. Um, but the best thing you can do is like smile. <laughs> that helps a lot. Having a positive attitude smile. and being open to everything and saying yes to everything. Yes. <laughs> um, and just participating instead of you know wishing it was like how you live in the states because it's obviously different and it's best to just kind of go with it um and that always works for me and then yeah dealing with the nine months away i'm i've never been away for that long but most of my friends i have when i have been abroad it's always the same when i come back and i am actually this year going to write letters to people um oh. instead of trying to communicate on the internet because last year it took me like 45 minutes to send an email to my mom to tell her that I'd gotten there <laughs> so she didn't know for like a week and a half that oh, I was wow. still alive wow because <laughs> <laughs> it just it was not sending so I was like oh well I guess she's gonna have to just trust that I'm okay <laughs> I can't even imagine being your mom I would be so nervous <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah man. so I'm gonna try that um try postcards um but mostly I'm just gonna be here and live here and I know that my friends will be the same when I get back even though it is a long time yes um, no that's great and, that, and we can find you I, mean, I don't know if you have the URL but you can send a shirt to me I'll, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes but um, you know for a last word of advice I always ask my guests how they use their difference to make a difference uh, because that's the that's, that's the mission statement of the podcast but um, and, and the platform so how do you use your difference to make a difference, Janice? Yeah. Um, I guess... It's a tough question. I, it is a hard question, yeah. yeah. Um, but I would say that I 
have been extremely fortunate to have been able to travel so many places mm-hmm. and I am so lucky to have parents that have supported a lot of the travels and also just the opportunity to go on trips and I know a lot of people that want to travel and don't have the finances or they don't have a way to do it and so what I want to do with my difference is be a voice for them to experience a different culture or experience you know connection with people around the world even if they can't get there themselves even though I want them to be able to get there themselves um, I think it's really important to share um, the experiences that I have and like the interactions I have with other people because we're all connected and I honestly everywhere I've traveled I've found a family not not literally a family but I've found connection with people that makes it feel like I have a family in like I don't know a bunch of different continents like all four hemispheres like I have people around the world and it's just like it's amazing and it's just like it's so cool to be able to say that I have friends in all these different countries and and it's like I think a lot of people are, are afraid of difference but that's really what connects us I think um I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's perfect. That you're being a voice. <laughs> yeah, you're being a voice for the, a lot of the voiceless. You're giving people a chance to get to know about the world, and by sharing your story, you're giving people the confidence to do theirs. That's that's incredibly as 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 uh, easy as that was to say. That's incredibly hard to do. Not many people are able to be just just bear down and just share the stories. And you're opening this lens and giving people a new perspective to look at the world, which is. <laughs> why I called you a superhero yesterday, and I still think <laughs> you are. Um, but um, I, I, you know, it's it's been it's been great talking to you here. But I want to wish you best of luck. Um, I will be obviously well, I'll be keeping in touch with you when you can throughout the nine months. But we're gonna do another podcast when you come back, so we can um, we can catch up and you can tell us all about what you've learned, some of the experiences you had. Um, you know, the good and the bad. Hopefully, more good. You know, and not very many bad, <laughs> not not any bad at all. But um, but just you know, just talk about how it was and uh, how you feeling after you do that. Sounds good. All right, thank, thank you. Thank so you much. so much for having me on the show. <laughs> Pleasure is mine. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 